treats for the kids if they stayed up there the whole time. Thank you, Jim, for sharing that. And, and welcome to all of you once again. Um, thanks for joining us for worship this morning. As God has gathered us here in the sanctuary and through Facebook and YouTube and on the phone as well. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you please stand as we read from our gospel lesson this morning. We read from John 15, 9 through 17, in Jesus' name. As the Father has loved me, so how have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have been made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together to, to hear from you and your word. Father, as we look into your word this morning, Father, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you have for us this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for the meaning that it brings to our lives. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Last week, Pastor Adam preached on the vine and the branches. And if we remain in Jesus and he in us, we will bear much fruit. If we abide in Jesus, we begin to think, feel, and act like Jesus. This morning is a continuation of that thought as we look at the rest of John 15. If we remain in him, we will be able to love him and others the way that Jesus loves us. So the question before us this morning is, what does it mean to love like Jesus? Well, as we look at our text, we will see five things about the love of Jesus. First, we see that Jesus' love comes from God. Well, of course it does, right? He is God. In verse 9, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
abide in my love. You see, Jesus' love is a different kind of love, and a love that we cannot give unless we have experienced it for ourselves. We can't know about God's love or how we can love him or others until we abide in him and his love. So how is God's love different than yours, mine, or the next door neighbor? Well, God's love is unconditional. There aren't any conditions to his love. You can't do anything that, he, that will make him take away his love from you. But it's also different than the world's love, which is conditional, which is self-centered love. There are a whole bunch of what-ifs that are a part of that. What if this, or what if that? What if I don't get what I want? What if I'm not getting what I signed up for? That's self-centered love. That's conditional love. But God's love is unconditional. God's love is also unlimited, like the circle that Jim referred to in his children's message. It's unending. It doesn't have a beginning, nor does it have an end. But the world's love is limited. Just this past week, Bill and Melinda Gates announced their divorce, saying it was over a while ago, but we stayed together for the kids. And certainly we could be up here all day long talking about other ways in which we can differentiate between God's love for the world's. We could have a whole sermon series on it. No, I'm not trying to say we are either, but certainly a possibility. But we are able to show God's love as we abide in his love. Secondly, Jesus' love leads to obedience. You know, I don't know about you, but taking out the trash hasn't always been high on my favorite things to-do list. Probably not on yours either, right? But how does it make it make you feel when you have to do things because you're told to do them? Because you have to do them. It's a big downer for us, isn't it? We try to pass it off to somebody else then, don't we? But what happens when we do something out of love for someone else? How do we feel when we do things because we want to show others how much we love them? Well, we have great joy in doing them, don't we? Well, it's the same way with us when we are in a relationship with God. We obey him because of our love for him. We don't do them because we fear the consequences of not obeying. Nor do we do them because our obedience might lead to salvation. Because nothing we can do can lead us to salvation. 
Jesus achieved that for us. But in verses 10 through 12, it says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And so our obedience is out of a response to who God is and what Jesus has done for us. But then we also see Jesus obeying the Father himself. We see the, the, the love that Jesus had for his Father. In Philippians 2, it says that Jesus was obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus loved his Father. He wanted to be obedient to him. And so Jesus' love leads to obedience. Jesus' love also demands sacrifice. Our text tells us that there is great, no greater love than this, than someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. This is what Jesus was willing to do for you. Jesus sacrificed, he sacrificed his love, his life for you as he died on the cross so that you would not have to suffer eternal death. And so knowing Jesus and knowing what he did for you, what are you willing to do for Jesus? In the next few minutes, we're going to be singing a song. When I survey the wondrous cross. The last line of the last verse says that God's love is so amazing and so divine. It demands my soul, my life, my all. Is that true for you today? Does that mean that we will sacrifice all that we have? Even if it means our lives? Maybe it does. We see lives that are lost for the sake of the kingdom. We see it happening in the Middle East. We have seen it in Africa. And we've even, even seen it here in the United States in the past as well. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't mean that. But the very definition of sacrifice is this. Giving up something of value for the benefit of someone else. You know, before I was married, uh, Saturdays and Sundays were filled in front of the tube. All day Saturday, college football was happening. 
And on Sunday, right after church, professional football was happening. And you dare not call me on those two days. I'm busy. But after I got married, things didn't necessarily happen that way. I didn't watch much college football anymore. I watched maybe a couple games of professional football on Sunday. Even to a point last fall, I was watching part of a college football game because, you know, the girls were kind of doing their own thing. I think Abby and Hannah were doing homework and Alyssa was, was doing something else. And so, hey, what a perfect time to sit down and watch part of a game. Well, after a while, Alyssa came in. And then she, she asked me this. She goes, well, you, want, you like college football? And I said, yes, I do. I just don't watch it as much as I used to. It's just not as important as it used to be. And so sacrifice doesn't always mean death of life. But it does take on another death, doesn't it? Death of something that we might cherish that we need to give up for someone else. Sacrifice for one may not mean the same for someone else. But love does take sacrifice. Jesus' love chooses. Now, I remember in elementary school, and, and, and I know that, that, I know my kids are saying, well, you know, how do you remember those days? Somehow they're still locked up in my brain. Um, and so when it, we had PE class, and we were playing kickball. And, you know, playing the game was, was fine, and I enjoyed that. It was all, always the choosing beforehand that didn't make me too happy. You see, at that moment in time, I was about four feet high. I was originally going to say two feet, two inches high, but that, that's just going a little overboard. But I was four feet high. And so you know everybody else was probably taller than I was at that moment in time. And so I was not the first person chosen, or the second, or the third. I was fortunate if I was the third from last picked. But with God, it doesn't happen that way, does it? What does it mean for God to choose you? What does it mean for God to choose me? The great thing is that we weren't picked based on our actions, nor, we, nor we, were we picked based on our ability. We were picked because God loved us. The Bible tells us that we did not choose God. 
We did not choose Jesus, but Jesus chose us and appointed us that we should go and bear fruit. And bear fruit that should abide or last. That we should bear long-lasting fruit. In the book of Joshua, the Israelites were having a problem. They were worshiping the Lord, but they were also worshiping other idols as well. And so Joshua tells them that they need to choose that day whom they will serve. But then he says a a few sentences later, for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. It is because God first chose us that we are able to respond by saying, Yes, I will serve the Lord. I will go and bear fruit. And what a great promise that is for us as well, isn't it? As we abide or as we remain in Jesus, we will bear fruit. We can't help it. It will just flow out of us. Fruit that will last. And so Jesus chose you. He chose you to do the work that he has called you to do. So Jesus' love chooses. And the last thing that we see in our text this morning is that Jesus' love gives freely. Our text tells us that, that Jesus, well, Jesus is telling the disciples, so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, he may give it to you. All right, well, when you see me in my mansion and the five cars that I'm driving down the street, you know what I prayed for. No, I'm sorry, God doesn't work that way necessarily. But it's when we remain in him, we know what God wants for us. And so we ask for those things. It's not about having a mansion and five cars or two houses and nine cars. But it's about God and what he wants from us, what he wants for us. And so we ask according to his will. We ask according to his pleasure. And then he freely gives. And as God freely gives to us, we can freely give to him and others as well. You know, you you think of the tithe or the offering that we're going to be taking in a few minutes. And we do say that it's a part of our worship. Why? We are giving in response to who God is and what he has done for us in his son, Jesus Christ. And a tithe is, is a principle of giving to the Lord. But an offering goes over and above the tithe. And you do it freely. You do it out of your love for him. 
The Bible in another place tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver who does not give out of obligation, but out of love. And then we're also able to give freely to others as well. What do we do when we see others suffering? What can we do when we see a neighbor in need? What do we do when we see friends that need help? We are able to give freely because Jesus has given freely to us. The Father gives out of his love for you. And, ha- and he is given, and as he is given out of his love, we can give out of love for him and for others. This portion of scripture ends with Jesus reminding us of his commandment that we love each other. And we are able to do this not on our own strength or abilities, but because of the love that Jesus gave to us. It is through Jesus demonstrating his love to us in his death and in his resurrection that we are able to love each other. It is because of Jesus that we want to love God and to love each other. We love because he first loved us. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love for us. Though we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, you made us alive through Jesus Christ. And Father, as you have shown love to us, help us to show love to each other, both towards people inside of these walls and people outside of these walls. And Father, we just praise you and thank you for all that you've given to us. For all that we have and all that we are belongs to you. And you have richly blessed us. And so, Father, we just pray that as you have shown us love, help us to love each other. And just as those five things that we saw this morning in the way that Jesus has shown his love, Help us to do those same things to those around us. Not that people would see us, but they would see the Savior of the world. So, Father, we just praise you and thank you again for your love. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.